Welcome to the CF Strong podcast. CF Strong covers the successes and challenges faced by those living with cystic fibrosis. You'll hear first-person stories, conversations with health professionals, friends, and partners. Just a heads up, guests may share their personal views about treatments and health management, but please remember this is not medical advice, and you should always follow the advice of your clinic team regarding your health. Cool. So hello, everybody. Welcome to the CF Strong podcast. I'm Sam LaFoe, your host today, and today we have Murray with us. So Murray, do you mind just telling us a bit about why you're here today and what we're going to be talking about? G'day, Sam. How are you? Um, so I guess I'm here today to talk about uh, that I've had a double lung transplant. Uh, I've got cystic fibrosis, I'm 29. Um, I guess just my journey uh, so far in life, I guess, from the um, my 29 years of um, cystic fibrosis, then I guess transitioning to a, a transplant patient versus um, uh, just a straight up uh, cystic fibrosis. It's an incredible story and I'm really keen to dive into it. So firstly, though, I wanted just to discuss, it's been uh, a bit of a mile, I've recently been a milestone of yours. You've come to, I think it's uh, close to 10 years since the transplant. Do you uh, mind just telling everybody and telling me about what you've been up to the past 10 years and how you've been living this post-transplant life? Yeah, so um, I guess uh, in the last 10 years, I've, um, I've jam-packed it as much as I can. I um, am very, very fortunate. So I had my transplant at 19. Um, and I guess the, the story goes that I, um, uh, I was on the transplant list for four and a half months. Um, so I was really lucky. I wasn't on there for very long. Um, but, uh, from that, I, uh, did my best to recover as quick as possible. Um, I had a really good doctor at the time that, um, I guess made sure of that. Um, so I, uh, was in hospital for 13 days in ICU for two days. So my recovery is pretty quick from a trans double lung transplant. Um, and then, uh, from that, I was able to get back to work, full-time work and then, um, travel overseas. So I went to Europe, uh, when I was 21 with my wife, um, or partner at the time. Um, and we got to travel Europe for three and a half months. Uh, we've been to America and then, um, since getting back, you know, bought a house, um, I've had four kids. Um, so I've got, uh, uh, four kids under five or four kids just turned five. So uh, four kids, um, and it's crazy busy, but, uh, good fun. Yeah. It sounds like you've been as busy as possible, which is uh, always good to hear. Uh, just going into the, the early days of the post-transplant, uh, life, how were you feeling after the post-transplant and what were the main things going through your head and how did you then focus on your recovery? I think, um, I guess my main focus was um, trying to get back to, I guess, that normal life or what we perceive as that normal life. Um, and some of those things I, um, you know, it may change, you know, the medications you take, you normally take literally um, hundreds of tablets at the start um, and you're, uh, I guess, um, and there's always complications or always different things that go on that, um, I guess, create different um routine different routines during your time but overall I just was really determined to um uh, you know make my donor my donor and my donor family proud and that's always sort of been my mantra I guess around once I have my transplant my big thing is I guess I get this I get I get this um second chance at life um you know I was probably six months away if not that if not closer than uh to 
uh, for it to be all over. So um, for me, I'm like, okay, how can I, I guess, live this second part of my life um, to the fullest um, and by doing everything I can um, possibly to, I guess, keep myself motivated going, but also um, I think sometimes I like to call them like calculated risks. So, you know, going overseas um, or uh, doing something, you know, specific, it's like, okay, well, it could be a risk, but, um, you know, if I look through it, okay, what's, you know, how am I going to, if this happened, what would I do? If this happened, what would I do? Um, and then at least, you know, I'm sort of living life to the fullest, but, you know, being cautious of the fact that I've had a, that I'm immunosuppressant, that I've got, you know, certain things that I guess I can't, um, that I've got to be mindful of. Maybe I can't, it's not that I can't do it. I just got to be more mindful of how I approach it. So it seems like you uh, had a fair bit going on in your head after the post-transplant in regards to how to take the next steps. Do you mind just uh, telling us how do you how you actually process those thoughts and how you managed to stay positive and what steps you took to go in the right direction? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am very fortunate that I, um, I guess I have a really good support network, uh, mainly um, my wife or um, girlfriend at the time. Um, you know, I think we were really close and was able to communicate um, that whole time around um, how I was feeling. But mostly, you know, I, I guess my, um, my thought process the whole time was just how can I, I guess, keep, keep getting better, keep doing things um, uh, to, I guess, to, to stay healthy or if something, even though I was a back step or for whatever reason, um, you know, can I do anything different or is it out of my control? Is it in my control? Um, you know, you can only really, um, do things that are in your control. So how can I, what can I influence? It's in my control that, you know, I can, um, do that. And if it's out of my control, then I guess that mindset, um, is about being really, really mindful of like, you know, gratitude and being, you know, really grateful for the, you know, I guess the opportunities and, um, yeah, I'm pretty big on, I guess that mental, mental health space of, uh, being positive and, uh, sort of, um, you know, trying to, um, uh, yeah, stay as positive as possible, even in those low moments. I think, you know, take your five minutes to be, you know, annoyed or frustrated or, you know, feel that emotion, bottle it. Okay. Yep. Okay. What, you know, why was I like that? And then reset. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably how I think, uh, most of the time. It's uh, one of the uh, reoccurring things I've definitely gotten from conversations doing this podcast is the such the strong mental capacity that people with CF have really had to uh, learn and uh, gain throughout their experiences. And it is really always inspiring to hear everyone's struggle and how they've managed just to keep pushing forward and always stay positive. Because as we know, it's going to get very hard sometimes. <laughs> And just to lead on from that, I wanted to talk about your pre-transplant uh, life. If you just wanted to talk to us about the months or years leading up to your transplant, uh, maybe a bit about your early life and just the thoughts and feelings you had about that whole situation. Yeah, so it's an interesting one, um, just in the way of like, you know, diagnosed at birth. Uh, my older brother has cystic fibrosis, um, so he's he's in his late 30s um, and 
uh, he was quite sick. Me, me growing up, he was quite sick, and um, you know, I sort of I, I got to see that. So, um, and then over the time, I think you know, he sort of plateaued to where he sits, and he still hasn't had a transplant. Um, that's still now, so he still hasn't had a transplant. And I think I was, you know, that 11, 12, um, had a few admissions in hospital, but wasn't too um, crazy. And then um, I guess I got my ticket to uh, to be sick. So I um, I. I'm assuming, I don't remember exactly the details, but I guess you know, over that time I got sick and I got a few different bugs and whatever else. And um, I started going to hospital more and more. Um, and, you know, by um, probably between 12 and 15, 12 and 16, I would have been in hospital, I don't even know, maybe 25, 30 times, something like that. Um, and then I think, you know, I've calculated just for, you know, one of those boring nights is that uh, I think it was about three years if you calculated all the weeks I was in hospital um, over that, you know, that time from zero to 19. Um, So by the end of, you know, before, so finished school, um, really only just, you know, I pretty much uh, through my whole school, I, um, especially in high school, I would normally have like go to school and then the two weeks school holidays, I'd go to hospital I have a tune up and then obviously go back to school and that was pretty much what always happened. And then, um, I got sicker and sicker over that time. My lung function dropped and dropped and kept dropping, um, to, you know, 40%, 30%. Um, and then by the time I was like 18, I was still working, um, because, you know, I was working like four hours, five hours, you know, the usual shifts. Um, I was really determined to sort of live that, I guess, perceived normal life or like live that, you know, get a bit of normality. And I was really, uh, the work um, and my, you know, my colleagues were really good, and they they all just understood that you know, muzz coughs, you know, that's pretty much that's just what I do um, at the time. It's weird now, obviously, I don't cough at all. But um, and then yeah, by the time I was eighteen, nineteen, um, I got really, really sick. You know, I used to take uh, an hour and a half to go for a shower, uh, three hours to go to the shops to look at like two or three shops. Um, extremely exhausted, fatigued, um, and then oxygen, and then sort of for me, oxygen was the last sort of resort, so um, then uh, oxygen, um, and then, you know, it slowly starts to build the litres of oxygen, and you get sicker and sicker, and then are you eligible for transplant? It's changed now to what it was. I think back in the day, it was a bit more, um, uh, well, yeah, 10 years ago, it was a bit more like, okay, you know, um, what's your quality of life? Um, and I think now they sort of value that, but there's a few other measures they take. Um, so, yeah, I had my um, uh, my transplant at 19. The, the way we did it was I was uh, out for six weeks, in for three weeks. So, yeah, literally in for three weeks of hospital, out for six weeks, in for three, out for six. Um, and I did that for probably the last year uh, before I had my transplant. So, reason why we did that was to try to keep me as healthy as possible um especially in that last part before my um transplants then while i was on the list um i guess the healthier you are even though you're obviously never going to be healthy but the the more optimal you are um hopefully the better your recovery can be because your your body's not um completely um you know on the red line so yeah i guess um that's somewhat of a very quick version of um pre-transplant yeah, it uh, sounds like an incredibly hard time for yourself and your family. Uh, could you just talk us through 
what was going through your mind at that time? Because I can imagine it's obviously an extremely scary time for yourself as well. But did having the transplant coming up, that was that a for you a positive feeling or was that still a very scary, negative feeling? Like what was your thought process around the entire thing? It's a really interesting um, situation to be in, I think. You know, you... Um... I think you hope you always hope for the the good outcome. You always hear the bad unco- outcomes. I've got you know at least six or seven friends that have all had transplants that have all passed away. Um, I probably have one or probably two that have had transplants that are still with us. So you know, knowing of those odds or those type of feelings, you think, oh God, um, you know, what's on the other side? Um, so I think your feeling is probably, you know, as I say, I'm a pretty positive person, but I think you have to let yourself think of, okay, what's the, you know, what's the worst that happened? So, um, I think, um, I, I really struggled, um, with the part of the, the unknown. So when is it going to happen? Like, I think everyone would, I feel like, you know, you, you sort of, you can't get given a date. Is it going to last for, you know, you're going to be on the list for two months, four months, eight months. And I feel really sorry for the people that obviously are on the list for a long time. Um, because, you're always you're sort of on edge where am i you know can i go here can i do this um when's it going to happen and then your life's going to you know flip upside down the moment it happens and you've got a whole nother um a whole nother thing to you know i guess focus on once you've had a transplant it's very um you know it literally flips to um all of the stuff that you know you deal with uh post-transplant and um immunosuppressants and a whole bunch of other things so um i guess the unknown is the biggest feeling I felt. I was really, you know, I was very fortunate that I had a, um, you know, that I had Danielle with me uh, and family. Um, but, you know, knowing, I guess, I had a, a, a partner or someone that, um, you know, I loved <laughs> and, um, you know, I wanted to start a family with, start a, you know, have, go overseas with and do all the things I guess I have ever dreamed of um, really pushed me to go, okay, you know, I, I, whenever, if I get this chance, I'm going to, you know, I guess I'm going to take it with you know, both hands. I'm going to make sure that I do the best I can. Um, and I think, you know, I, I feel very fortunate that I, um, that I had that at that time in my life where I could be like, this is just, you know, I, if I get this transplant and if it turns out the way I hope, um, you know, that, that's the other part is that everyone has a different, what you learn very, very quickly, I guess, is the the transplant journey is just like, you know, pregnancy um, and birth in terms of everyone's got a different story. Everyone's got a, di- like everyone has a, you know, a, a different, um, a different way um, and a different thing that happens. Um, and it is, it's so unique to every individual. So, um, but um, yeah, I feel very fortunate, I guess, that I, uh, the lungs that I got um, and the, um and like yeah the opportunity i got to i guess get a second chance and have kids and be able to share this side of it so it sounds like your support networks were really really important for you to get through this situation in your life uh just how how important was it to you to have your family around you? And I know you mentioned your, your, your partner, was it Danielle, your partner? Yep. And yep. now your wife, just having them around. Yep. 
Um, did it ever seem difficult to have a support network around when you felt so unsure about your future? And how did that kind of weigh on the transplant process? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because, you know, the fear is obviously that um, you're going to put your partner um, or whoever that support person is through a completely emotional ride um, and you're going through it, but you're also, you know, what happens if you die? What happens if, you know, they commit, you know, and there's a whole bunch of other things, I guess, inside of that. But um, for me, I, I, I think we just, like, I tried my best to communicate, I guess, you know, like, are you sure, you know, are you sure you're, like, you're okay to be here with me? Like, you know, if you want out, that's fine. I get it. Like, you know, this is the situation and I completely understand. Um, so I guess communication constantly around and not, um, you know, I guess trusting though, that when that was said, like, yep, no, no, I'm here. Like, I, you know, I love you dearly or whatever. Um, and then trusting that, okay, that's where it sits. And I, um, I probably wish, um, that now looking back, I probably wish that, um, I'd seen a psychologist and not that, you know, I, um, I feel like I've got a pretty good mindset, but I always feel like if you have an ability to be able to have a conversation with someone that's very neutral, um, or you can, um, I guess, get support in a different way and have someone be able to you know, bounce off in a in a way that um, you know can give advice or give you thinking. And you know, I think we all do. Like my, you know, my I guess my best thinking is at night time. Um, and some of those, you know, some of those times when you're completely alone and you're thinking, you know, you, your mind starts to wander, which is always good and bad. You know, you might um, go into a spiral of the wrong way, but as well, it sometimes makes you reassess um, some of those things. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's where. Yeah, it's a very important message, what you were saying before. It's, it's uh, I, can't really, I can't imagine what you must have gone through in this time, especially with the, the thoughts and your feelings about your loved ones around you. But what you're saying about maybe seeing a psychologist, I think is a really good thing to talk about as well. Because uh, it's obviously chronic illnesses, it's a uh, very, very difficult thing physically and also mentally. And I feel like the mental part doesn't really get addressed too often. So do you have any like words of advice for anyone with cystic fibrosis right now who may be going through a similar situation in regards to a transplant or bad health or just being unsure how to navigate things. What would you say to them after your experience about your mental health and also your positivity and then your post-transplant change? Yeah, I guess there's a few, a few things in that. Um, one is that, um, you know, I guess it, it, this is just my opinion. Obviously, it's not. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But um, life will throw at you a whole different bunch of things. Um, and the, you know, if you can, um, I guess, try to stay as positive as possible um, in the moment. Look into, you know, um, how can you, uh, I guess, um, support yourself or get better. And whether that be through, you know, people love. Like uh, exercise and it makes them feel better or whether it be through meditation or whether it be and some of those things might feel uncomfortable at the time but it's sort of I guess putting yourself into an uncomfortable situation to see whether that may be the thing that works for you um you know talking about seeing someone um you know I think it's 
uh, I guess, extremely important at, at some point, especially, um, you know, it's like, you know, we, we always look after our bodies and our health and, you know, if we hurt our, I don't know, broke a leg or whatever it would be, you do all these things, but um, the mind probably has had a more focus than it, than it did 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, it's like that tune-up of, you know, how can you reset, you know, learning skills. And I think that's probably the big one is about, you know, learning skills to um, be able to, um, I guess, be able to to help your mental health and to be able to, um, to you know, if you're feeling down in the dumps, how can you, you know, what's, what are the... What are the things that I guess you've identified that can um, can make you feel better? And whether that be going for exercise or, I don't know, going to get smashed avo or who knows. Um, or spending time on the couch and just eating chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, all of those things I think are really important to, for you to know. And um, But yeah, overall, I guess you know, if someone's in that in the situation of probably pre pre-transplant um i think it's try to stay uh as 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 sick as you obviously are um you know from my own experience it was that i tried to stay as healthy and tried to do all the things that i possibly could that were in my control um i tried to to do them to then hopefully help me on the other side um and obviously there's you know there's times where you just feel like is this ever going to end you know am i really is it really helping or whatever but i guess it's those one percent it's those little things that probably do help um and then that self-doubt that comes in or that um feeling the overwhelming feeling of you know am i going to die um what's next for me am i going to lose friendships am i going to lose this i guess it's a um trying to make sure that you're having conversations with all you know all the different people and you know your supports and if you don't feel like you know that's your support then how can maybe it be that you you know you see someone or however that plays out but um yeah i think uh, it's it's always going to be a really challenging time in your life that moment when you're before a transplant you're waiting on a list and it's the unknown and it's so uneasy it's just like covid really um yeah, it's, you know, you didn't know when it was going to end. You didn't know what was going on. And I, I sort of talk to that all the time with um, people I know is around the uncomfortable feeling of the unknown um, is really challenging. And I had that, I was a transplant, I was COVID, it was the same thing. It's like, okay, can I go outside? Am I going to get sick? Am I going to get COVID? Am I, and um, yeah, it's all part of, all part of the fun, I guess, um, of life, but it sucks sometimes. Yeah, one hundred percent. The the unknown. It's uh, a terrifying frontier. Well, in living your your post transplant life, and now that you have you've gone through the unknown, what have been the greatest highlights you've had since your transplant, and what things have been made possible due to the transplant, and what things can you share to everybody that has been so worth going through the unknown? Yeah, I think um, I think yeah, first and foremost is um, uh, being able to get married, uh, and then um, to to my wife Danielle, and then from that being able to um, have uh, four little kids or four kids, I should say. Um, so you know, we um, we certainly you know are busy, um, but it's fun busy. You know, I love being a parent. I love um, being a dad. It's pretty amazing. Um, you know that 
yeah, I remember when I was little and, you know, see if you had, see if it was pretty much like you, you, you're probably not going to ever have kids. Um, so now I, you know, think about it, I think, oh my God, this is just incredible. I get to, yeah, um, get these little mini me's and, um, I've got two boys, two girls. So, um, it's pretty awesome. And then I think being able to, um, travel, um, but also funnily enough, just being, able to just do day-to-day tasks um when you when you're pretty sick uh near the end it's about i guess being able to again go for a shower and it's only a few minutes or um it's so funny when i when i had my transplant um and then being able to i played tennis and going back and playing tennis and i was i couldn't understand why um I, i kept hitting the ball like when i was sick the way i played tennis was very different to the way i can play now because i've got more i can breathe so the way I used to play is pretty much lob the ball up as long as I can so I can run back into the middle and it gives me time to get back. Um, whereas now I'm like, are they going to hit the ball back anytime soon? <laughs> um, because I finally get, you know, it, it's, a, it's a difference in, I guess, uh, being able to breathe and that feeling. Um, and then lastly, I think just travel, being able to see the world, being able to do things that um, I guess I never thought was possible. You know, went to Tomatina, Oktoberfest, Ring of the Bulls, Disneyland, Disney World. Um, and hope to obviously go to other places in the world, um, you know, when I'm probably a bit older and, uh, I don't have, um, such a young family, but, um, yeah, get rid of the kids first. Yeah. Well, hopefully they can come with us, but, um, Even better. yeah, yeah, I, um, but uh, you know, in general, um, just being able to, I guess, do things that you had on your bucket list, um, it's probably the big one, you know, trying to, um, make my whole thing is, you know, trying to make my, my donor family and, um, my donor proud and making sure that they are, they know, um, just that, you know, I want to, uh, that I, uh, when I got this chance, I'll take it with everything and pack as much as I possibly can into, uh, the second phase of life because, um, it's pretty damn cool that I'm here to, uh, to be here and be part of it. I'm sure you've made them very proud. It's a uh, really incredible story. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. Just before we finish up for the day, is there any final things you want to say to the CF community or to me or just get some words out there? Um, oh, just that I think that the, uh, the CF podcast is a great uh, initiative. I think, um, you know, it's good to hear everyone's different stories, different um, uh, the different ways people do things, but also um, some familiarities and, I guess, themes that run through it. And, um, you know, it's, you know, we... Unfortunately, cystic fibrosis, um, because of the condition it is, and I mean, it's changed a bit with medications and things, but because of what it is, um, we can't all go to a, you know, a, a place and all congregate and meet and say good day and, uh, you know, have a, a stronger community in, in a face-to-face sort of situation. Um, so I think uh, having these conversations or having people understand that um, they're not alone um, and that they can... I guess reach out to other other people that are going potentially through an experience or through the same experiences. Um, so you know, I would say to anyone that um, if you want to ask any questions, I, I'm sure there's a lot of CFs, CFs out there of all different ages that would be more than willing to have a chat or help. Um, so don't feel alone and make sure you reach out to whomever um, at wherever they organize that, like, you know, whatever CF is in the States or doctors or whoever, um, to ask questions of people, because the more questions you ask, the more knowledge you have, 
uh, and the you know the um, probably you know it, it becomes easier because you, you have more knowledge um, to be able to face whatever's coming your way. It's a great way to end it, end it. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mari. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CF Strong Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast listening platform so you don't miss the next episode. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate if you could leave us a review. It helps other people find CF Strong. Or share us with your friends. Also, a quick reminder that the views expressed in the CF Strong podcast may not be reflective of Cystic Fibrosis Community Care's viewpoints. The podcasts are designed to share information and provide insight into the lives of those living with cystic fibrosis around Australia. This podcast was made possible thanks to support provided by the Australian Government and was produced by CF Community Care and CF Western Australia. Our theme music is Spark of Inspiration by Shane Ivers from Silverman Sound. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time.